you find your seats, I want you to find three people. Give them a fist bump, a high five, something, and just say, I'm so glad to see you in church this morning. What's up, what's up? How you guys doing? It's good to see you here in church. It's always good to be in church around other people and worshiping together. Isn't that just always enjoyable to, to do that? I gotta tell you, I like coming to, I like coming to church. I'm a little biased because I'm the pastor. If we haven't met yet, my name is Matt. My, my wife Amber and I are the pastors here at the church and, uh, and I'd love to get to know you a little bit. And one easy way you can kind of quick get to know us is shoot us a text message actually right into our office. If you text the word guest into this number, um, we, it's kind of just a quick way to say hi and, and a way for us to kind of start the process of kind of getting to know each other a little bit. And it's uh, the word guest and it's should be up there in a little bit. But um, text a guest into this, the 554, there we go. Text guest in there, and, and then we love to make new friends. It's a great way to do it. Now, if you came prepared to give today, this is also the time where we uh, receive tithes and offerings. And, and so um, uh, there, there's kind of two ways to do that. You can go digital by texting in there. Um, you can also do digital by going to our website. Um, but you can go analog if you have checks or cash or drop boxes throughout the, 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 bo- the building, the black boxes around there. Um, but real quick, I just want to pray over the offering. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for the opportunity to, um, to be generous. God, we know what your word says about generosity, and so we just love to be able to be givers um, to help advance your kingdom right here in Albuquerque. And so, God, I pray that you bless the finances that come in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, all right. Guys, I'm so glad to be here today. I got to tell you, the Broncos are playing. Um, they're, they're, I know, they're playing the Packers, and, and, and I see Packer jerseys. Did I see? I don't know. I saw a couple of Broncos gear here and there. I'm repping my Broncos socks. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, all, all the Packers gear, there's this weird thing in the tag. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, if you, you'll have to check it when you get home. So, um, but it actually says that it's a, it has a choking hazard. Yes. Yeah, that's good. All right. All right. So there was this guy, this, uh, this, um, this guy came to church one Sunday, and not our church, different church, different pastor. And he came in to the lobby after church, and he saw the pastor, and he says, Pastor, will you please pray for my hearing? And, and the pastor says, yes, absolutely. Puts his hands on his ears and prays the most passionate prayer you've heard for him to re- have his hearing restored. And, and, and then he finishes up his prayer, and he says, how do your ears feel now? How's your hearing now? And, and the man says, well, I don't know, my hearing's not until tomorrow. It's funny, we have all these different things that we're worried about, right? We're in the middle of a series on anxiety, and, and the Bible says to be anxious for nothing. Sometimes we think, well, is that even possible, to be anxious for nothing? But, but we can get really worried and worked up about things, can't we? Like, things in life can start to build up, and then our anxiety can start to build up. And, and the Bible has all this stuff to talk about anxiety, but, but it, it's, it's interesting um, to, to know this, that, that people's anxiety about different situations can, can, be, can be changed. Their perspective can change. 
It's interesting, if you look about the same situation from two different perspectives, one can see something positive and somebody else can see something negative. There's the optimist and the, the pessimist. How many optimists do we have in the house? I'm an optimist. I'm like, people say it's half full or is it half empty? I'm like, no, that thing is like 75% full all the time. And so I'm an optimist. How, how many pessimists you say that it's half empty? You see, you've got some pessimists in the house. That's right. And that some of you, the pessimists are like, I'm not even going to raise my hand because last week pastor said he could out-tigger my Eeyore. So that's right. Yeah. So, so it's interesting to see how the different perspectives on the same situation. If you're married to an opposite of you, it's always fun, isn't it? It's the same set of facts and circumstances, but one spouse will, will see it one way and one spouse will see it the other way. And it's just kind of interesting. It's in, this study was done a while ago, and, but I read about it this past week. And um, Vicki, um, I'm going to mess up the name, Vicki Medvek, a professor at Northwestern University. So Northwestern University did this study, and she studied Olympic medalists. And she discovered that bronze medalists are happier than silver medalists. Of course, gold medalists were the happiest, right? They, they won it all. But the bronze medalists were happier than the silver medalists. It's kind of interesting. Silver medalists focused on how close they came to winning the gold. And the bronze medalists focused on how close they were to not even being on the platform. Right? They, they looked back to the fourth place and thought, man, I only beat them for a tenth of a second. I, I'm so lucky to be on the platform. Wow, isn't that wild? You would think that if, if it was achievement to happiness ratio, that silver medalists would be happier than the bronze medalists. But it's just not the case. In fact, I would say this, your focus determines your reality. How you feel isn't determined by your objective circumstances. You see, if it was a case that silver medalists would be happier than the bronze, how we feel is determined by our subjective focus. So your internal attitudes are more important than your external circumstances. Your internal attitudes are actually more important than your external circumstances. Sometimes we can let our perspective on external circumstances beat down our internal attitudes. And then anxiety can start to build from that place. John Milton, he is a poet from, I think, the 16th century, wrote about Paradise Lost, and he said this, the mind is its own place and in itself can make heaven out of hell and hell out of heaven. We tend to see what we're looking for, don't we? Have you ever noticed you, you buy a new car? Maybe it's new to you, but you drive, start driving that car, and all of a sudden, everywhere that you look, you see your car that you just bought. Where did all those cars come from? Did everybody just buy one of these this weekend? Like, isn't that, but I've never seen so many white Chevy trucks in my life. Didn't realize there was that many of them out there until I bought one. And, and now there's white Chevy trucks everywhere. And I'm like, man, I, you know, it's like uh, when you own it, you start to see your perspective changes. If you buy a red Ford car, all of a sudden you're going to see red Ford cars everywhere because that's what you are looking for. That's what you're used to seeing. So if you decide that you don't like somebody, have you noticed that you will now see all of their little flaws that build the case in your mind as to why you don't like them? And any positive attitude attribute that person may have, you, you kind of just brush it aside as if not qualified to weigh into the picture. And pretty soon that person that, that you've been then really putting down in your mind, it gets easier and easier to put them further and further and further down in your mind because what you're looking for, you're going to find. So we're in this series on anxiety. And anxiety is a real problem. 
It absolutely is a real problem. And, and, and anxiety is, is closely connected to a multitude of other mental health issues. Sometimes depression or, or other things can start to, to tie in off of anxiety. In fact, anxiety can become a feeder for additional mental health struggles. And, and everyone deals with anxiety. Everyone in the room, you deal with it on one level or another. For some of us, it's situational anxiety, where once you get past the situation that you're anxious about, it's okay. For others of us, there's, there's anxiety where there's like a low-level anxiety that's kind of always creeping around in our brain, and it's hard for us to get over it. There, for, for some people, they live with a high-level anxiety all the time, and it's something that they're, they're constantly fighting and, and struggling with. And, and maybe for you, you've, you've had the situational anxiety that had a spike, but then you've had other seasons of, of, of a low-level anxiety, or, or you've had different seasons in your life of anxiety. I've said it every week, and I'm going to say it again, that anxiety in itself is not a sin. It's not a sin to feel anxious. I mean, I'll prove it. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was about to be crucified, and it said that he was in there praying, anxious about what was about to come to him, and he said, dear God, if you can take this from me, please do. In the midst of that, he was sweating blood. If that isn't anxiety, I don't know what is. I've never sweat blood I hope that I don't sweat blood because that sounds really terrible. But, but you know, if, if Jesus himself even dealt with anxiety in situations in life, guess what? You might have to deal with it as well. You see, actually 20% of our population has a diagnosable struggle with anxiety. And most of our battles are battles that other people can't see. Most of our battles are battles that other people can't see. Nobody sees them. They don't know the struggle that you're going through. We look strong on the outside, but... But really on the inside, we're feeling weak. We can look confident, but we're feeling tired and and overwhelmed. We can look happy, but maybe on the inside, we're hurting. And we can show up to church just like this one, and someone says, how you doing? How was your week? God bless you, brother. Oh, it was a wonderful week. The Lord is good. You know, we can show up at church and put on our church face with our church talk and our church clothes, and, and we can pretend that everything is good when really something else is happening on the inside. The average person's anxiety is focused on a few things. Isn't 40% are things that will never happen. 40% of anxiety is focused on something that will never happen. 30% are things about the past that you can't change anyway. I, I might be the only person in the room who does this, but do you ever replay the conversations from like last week, last month, last year? My favorite place to do that is in the shower, right? Because the shower's on me and there's nothing else to distract me. And I start to replay the situations. Have you ever done this? <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand. But have you ever done this where, where you're replaying the situation, but you retell the story differently? Yeah? Yeah, okay. So I'm not the only crazy person here where you retell the story differently, right? And, and, like, and, and then they said it a little bit differently, but then you had the perfect comeback. And you're like, yeah, well, what are your, your mom, you know? And, and then, you know, they, they like, you just tear them down verbally. And every response they have, you have the perfect thing. My, my friend Robert says he calls it making movies in your head, right? And so he says, making movies in your head. And, and, and I was like, I've <laughs> been hanging on to that for a while. But, but it's, it's one of those things where you start to replay it. You're making scripts and you're acting and then the light is right and there's even theme music like when you start to build with your attack the music starts to swell and and i'm the only one all right that's that's like that's a whole bunch of 30 percent of it's stuff in your past that you can't even change 12 percent are things about criticism they're criticisms by others which are mostly untrue 
We all have criticism in our life where somebody is criticizing us. It might be to your face, might be behind your back, might be comments on Facebook. I get those all the time, you know, and people tear me down. But most of it's untrue, right? And, 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 and it's, you know, very, very, very small amount of it is true. 10%. You worry about your health, which, by the way, gets worse with stress. And 8% of your anxiety is focused on real problems that will actually be faced. I don't preach this series from a place of theoretical opinion. I don't preach this from a place of, I've read about anxiety in a book and I wonder what could possibly be going through somebody's life when they deal with anxiety. I've had to deal with my fair share of situational and low-level and high-level anxiety in life. In fact, at one point I had a complete breakdown a few years ago where I, was, I had to see all kinds of stuff. It was, it was really a terrible, terrible spot in my life. And so I want to tell you that we're going to look at this subject. We're looking at it in a holistic viewpoint. And I want you to understand it's a holistic viewpoint because there's a couple of things. It's like, for example, you, you might need to see somebody, like a therapist or somebody to talk to. It's not wrong to do that. Some Christian circles will maybe look down on it, but I want to tell you that it's not wrong to do that. The Bible even says to get biblical counsel, get wisdom where you can get it. Proverbs talks about it all the time. Find it where you can get it. Go find a Christian counselor, a professional Christian psychologist if you want to, and that, that person will have studied the mind and the way that it works, and they will have studied the word of God and the way it works, and they will see that how your creator created your mind and how the whole thing comes together. And I'm telling you that for some of us, that's what we need to do. For somebody else, you might need to get some medicine to be able to help you get through this bump in your life. There's nothing wrong with that. Listen, here's the thing, is that there are multiple things that you might need to do to help get through anxiety. But here's what we're going to talk about today is, some, is the spiritual side of it. Because I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a doctor. I can't prescribe you medicine. You wouldn't want to take what I would give you, right? And, and so, but what I can talk about is the spiritual side of things. I think you might need some of those other things, but I will tell you this, that you should always pray. There is always a spiritual connection to the things that we're dealing in the natural. There is always a supernatural aspect to it. We're going to address the spiritual side of things. And the verse that we have been using is this chunk out of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And it says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice Really? Always? Rejoice in the Lord always. But you mean like when I get a flat tire on the side of the road? Rejoice in the Lord? I mean, it's, I don't know, right? It seems like it's hard. But it's the thing that we stitch on pillows, don't we? Well, I don't stitch it, but I've seen it stitched on pillows. <laughs> I don't stitch anything. But say, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. It's on a coffee cup, right? It's on a mug. Yeah, it's rejoice in the Lord. When you're going through a hard time, that's the one verse someone's going to quote to you, and you're going to be like, I'm going to punch you in the mouth, right? And it's like, don't quote that to me now. Rejoice in the Lord always, right? Oh, yeah, rejoice in the Lord always. Really? Really? Like when you just lost your job, rejoice in the Lord? When your boyfriend was cheating on you and you just found out, rejoice in the Lord? Yeah, I don't know if that's, um, I'm not feeling very joyful, the boss is mad. Maybe your spouse lied to you. you. You're going to college. You lost the scholarship that you've been working on. You get diagnosed with something like cancer. You get a child that gets hooked on drugs or you can't make rents. I mean, come on, man. Like, really? Rejoice in everything? I don't really feel like rejoicing in everything. 
But the Bible says to rejoice in everything. I don't know. So here we go. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing. Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians, the church in Philippi. It's one giant letter. We've divided it into chapters and verses so that we can find it easily. But, but it's one giant letter that he wrote to the church in Philippi. He's writing this from prison. If he had anything to be worried about, I think he was probably dealing with a little bit of anxiety himself. Like, what's going to happen next? Are they going to put me on trial? Are they going to execute me? Are they going to, what's going to happen next? Like he had a lot of things that he could have been anxious for, but he's writing this letter to rejoice in the Lord always. You see, it's all about perspective and the perspective of praise. The perspective of praise. Earlier in the, in the same chapter, this is interesting, the same chapter, Paul actually writes this, or same book, chapter 1, Paul, Paul writes this. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, again, he's writing this letter from, from jail, that what has happened to me, being locked up in jail, is actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole, the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. They lock him up. They got to keep him under guard Every time, how did everybody know that he was in chains for Christ? Because the entire time that he is being locked up and these guards have to keep watch over him, he's preaching the gospel to them the whole time. He's telling them about the good news of who Jesus is. There's a certain point, I imagine, that they are wondering who's really locked up here. Like, like the guard is having to stand here next to this guy who's constantly talking about Jesus this and Jesus that and the love of God this and the love of God that. Jesus. Paul is like, I'm chained to this thing, but, but you got to stand here and listen to me. Like, who's in, who's this, right? He's advancing the gospel. All these people are now knowing that, God, I'll lead it on my own Paul duty. Oh, man, i got to hear more about this thing. I can't even believe. You know, he, he's preaching and, and witnessing to everybody who is standing guard over him. This wasn't the first time that Paul was in prison, though. He kind of had a habit of getting locked up. He did. He just didn't want to obey the rules. So next time you're thinking about breaking the rules, you can say, well, Paul was in prison all the time. <laughs> Depends which rules, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of them you shouldn't break. And here, if you want to turn with me, you can. If not, I'll just read through it. In Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, Paul, he gets thrown in prison, and he's hanging out with Silas. Paul and Silas, they're hanging out. And, and they, they come into town, and they're, they're preaching the gospel. They're, 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 they're teaching about Jesus. They're, they're, they're converting people to Christianity. And, and this, this girl, is, who is um, a demon-possessed fortune teller girl, is following them around, making a bunch of noise. And they finally get fed up, and they turn around and like, demon be gone in Jesus' name. The, the demon gets kicked out of her. The, the owners of the girl, she was a slave girl, and long drawn out story. They get in a big old disagreement. They end up suing him and locking him up in, in, in prison waiting trial. And so the crowd joined in the attack. Verse 22, Acts 16, 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. 
And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Stripped and beaten with rods. That sounds terrible. You got a mob, you got a riot. Like this whole scene, if you can imagine it, is going down. And then they, they, they grab them and they bring them in. Before they, they don't just lock them up, they strip their clothes off of them and start beating them with sticks and rods. And this, you know, there's probably blood everywhere, black eyes. They, they probably got some broken ribs. I mean, I'm not sure how hard they're hitting them, but they're hitting them pretty hard. They're pretty mad. And so they're beating these guys up, and then they go throw them in prison. They're stripped and beaten. Stripped of their... Sometimes life can be that way, can it? Like sometimes we feel stripped and beaten. You know, you get stripped of your confidence. You get, you get stripped of, of your joy and, and, your, and your peace because life has a way of coming against us, doesn't it? You have this, this struggle from time to time. Stripped and beaten down, discouraged, get doubts. These guys are bloody, they're bruised, they're beaten. And what do they do? They're locked up in the innermost chamber, like the basement to the basement, locked up, probably mildewy, gross rats and stuff. They're bleeding. They're tired, they're weary, they're discouraged. Paul's like, hey, Silas, I think, um, I think I'm done. I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. No, well, that's not what they did. They decided to have a worship night. They decided to, to, to actually start to sing praises. Now, I wish they had YouTube back then so we could have seen what this looked like. Because <laughs> virtually every preacher I know can't sing. And so you've got two guys now who've been beaten and, and they're weary and they're tired and they're torn out and they're probably squeaking out some like, oh, the Lord is good. You know, they're, they're probably off key. They're, they're probably struggling and, and they're trying to sing these praises to God. Because listen, they can take everything from you. The world can take everything from you. They can take everything from you. They can take your clothes. You can lose everything that you have in life. You can lose your house. You can lose your money, your car. You can lose your family. You can, use, you can lose everything. Everything can be taken away from you. Except for one thing. Your choice of attitude in any given set, given set of circumstances. They can't choose your perspective. They can't choose how you're going to look at it. And when Paul and Silas had a perspective of praise, and when we walk into the toughest situations, when everybody else is beat down, if we walk in with a perspective of praise, we come into the situation and we become a light in darkness. When they talk about carrying our light, when the Bible talks about being a light in a darkness, how are they going to do that? When you show up in a dark situation and you have a perspective of praise, you become that light in that darkness. You become that light. Your internal attitudes are more important than your external circumstances. Your focus will determine your reality. As you continue to go, verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. The guards made a mistake. They should have separated them. Right? They put them in the same cell. They should have separated them. They didn't, they didn't separate. They made, they made a mistake. Listen, the enemy wants to isolate you. When you are going through the darkest season of your life, the enemy wants to isolate you. He wants to get you alone, which is why church is so important, especially when you're going through a hard time, right? Especially because the enemy is whispering lies into your ear, and it's so easy to buy into those things because his voice can be so loud, 
We talked about that on week one of the series, about how the, how the devil will maybe shouting, and, but Jesus is only whispering. Why? Because he's with you. He's right next to you. He doesn't have to shout. He's with you all the time, but what voice are you going to listen to? And he wants to, the enemy wants to get you separate from everybody else because it's easier to take you out when you are separated from everyone else. That's why you got to be in community. That's why you got to begin church on Sunday. That's why joining a small group is so important because being in community with other believers is so important. The guards made a mistake. They shouldn't have put them in the same thing. See, praising God while they were in prison. What did they have to praise God for? I mean, really, what did they have to praise God for? Well, we were talking about Jesus, and then a mob came. There was a riot. I'm not sure if I'm going to praise God for the riot. They were upset with me. Mm, didn't like that very much. Mm, then the big one pulled out a stick. Then they all pulled out sticks. Somehow my clothes got ripped off. Now I'm getting beaten. I'm bloody. I'm probably got a broken rib. I, I, I'm, I'm tired. I've I just been publicly humiliated. I do not feel like praising God right now. Like, what did they have to praise God for? They could look at their glass and feel like it was half empty. You see, praising God, what they have to praise God for. Here's the thing. Sometimes we need to reset our focus. Sometimes we can get so focused on the negative things that are coming against us that we lose sight of the big picture of what's going on in life. We can get so focused on the wrong thing. And sometimes we need to reset our focus. We need to hold on a minute. Let me put this in light of everything else. Paul and Silas did this so well. It's, it's just amazing. I don't know if I would have been able to have this same strength of character that, that they had. I just don't know. But, but uh, my hope is that, that you and I would maybe be challenged by this and say, you know what? I'm going to step up to, to this same pattern. Because what they did is when they were beat down, they were wore out, and they were bloody, and they were bruised, and, and, and everything was going on. And they didn't know what was, ha- you know, they didn't know what was going on. There's nothing to praise God for. But they praised him anyway because they didn't praise God for what he had done. They were praising him for who he was. They weren't praising God for what he had done. They were praising him for who he was because who he is is worthy of our praise at all times in life. You see, worship has a way of reframing our circumstances. Worship has a way of reframing all of our circumstances. Albert Einstein said this, you can't solve a problem on the level it was created. I think our problems that are created on a human level are solved by a supernatural level. When worship, when we worship, it changes the spiritual atmosphere. When we start to sing praises to God, it changes the atmosphere. Next time that you are dealing with something in your life, here's what I challenge you to do. Find a way. You, you probably shouldn't do this in the cube farm at your office. They might think you're a little weird, but um, maybe on your lunch break or, or maybe do it in the cube farm in the office. We'll see what happens, right? Who's stuck with who? <laughs> but, you know, like turn on some worship music and start to sing some praise to God. I'm telling you, it, it, there's something that happens in the atmosphere when you start to sing praises to God. And you might be like, Paul and Silas, you can't carry a tune in the bucket. But, but, you, but you can turn on some music in your car speakers and, and, and you start to sing the praises of God. Maybe, maybe you are so averse to singing that, you, that it isn't something you want to do. Okay, find some verses in the Bible about the praises of God and just speak them. 
Start to declare them. When you start to declare the praises of God, it starts to change the atmosphere where you're at. Listen, God, I know that my circumstances don't look good, but God, I'm, my relationship with you is not determined on my circumstances. I'm going to praise you for who you are, not what you're doing for me in this moment. Because Paul and Silas didn't know. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what was going to happen. They knew they just got beat. They, you know what's next? They might have come down those, those steps, down into the dungeon, picked those guys up, brought them outside, and executed them 10 minutes later. They had no idea what was going to happen to them. They didn't praise God because of what was going to happen. They praised God because of who he was. When you look in there, it says that round about midnight is when they started doing this stuff. They started praising. In fact, if you look at the original language, it almost says this, that in the darkest hour, in, in the darkest time of the night, listen, in your darkest moment, in your darkest hour, you got to stand up and start praising God for who he is. You can't let the darkness just overwhelm you and pressure you down. You have got to be the light. You have got to stand up. You've got to say, God, I don't know what my circumstances lie ahead. I might die in the next 10 minutes. This situation might just go completely completely to hell, but, but God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to praise you right here, right now. Not because of what you've done or what you might do, but because of who you are. And when you praise God, I'm telling you, he gets into your situation. He starts to change things. And spoiler alert, these guys start praising God. And next thing that happens is, is the ground starts to shake. An earthquake starts to happen. The, the jails start to rattle all of the prison doors in the entire prison. The doors pop open, it says in, in the word. It says that the jail cells pop open. The, the jailer who was in charge of guarding these people were like, I'm going to kill myself. Because he knew that if all these prisoners had escaped, that that would have been his sentence. It would have been a, been a death sentence for him. It, it's amazing how God has intervened. When Paul wrote the Philippians, you think about this, during the middle of worship, the earthquake, the doors open, and the chains come loose. When Paul wrote to the Philippians, back to Philippians, he was in prison. God could have delivered, but he hadn't. But he still says, rejoice in the Lord always. You know my situation, he writes to them. I'm in chains. I'm a prisoner for Christ. But he was still in prison. I'm going to praise him when he delivers me. I'm going to praise him when he doesn't. If the band would come, I'm going to close. You see, the key that unlocks your miracle is the sound of your praise. The key that unlocks your miracle is the sound of your praise. If he breaks me out, I'm going to praise him. And if he doesn't, I'm going to praise him. Sometimes the miracle that God wants to deliver to you is from the outside in. Sometimes the miracle he wants to deliver is something that needs to happen on the inside. And we can look at our external circumstances and say, God, you're not doing anything. But maybe... Just maybe God's trying to do something inside of you and change something in you. Sometimes the miracle that we want isn't the miracle that God wants to bring. And we'll miss it. We'll miss the miracle that he's trying to bring if we're so focused on the miracle that we want. Sometimes we want to get out of a situation, and God actually wants us to go through the situation. I pray for escape all the time. God says, no, son, you're going to take another step forward. You're going to keep going forward. The key that unlocks your miracle is the sound of your praise. 
Rejoice in the Lord always, it says. And again, I will say it again, rejoice. So I'm going to praise him when the world fights against me. And I'm going to praise him when I'm waiting. I'm going to praise him in the prosperity. I'm going to praise him in the pain. I'm going to praise him when I'm up. I'm going to praise him when I'm down, when I'm left and when I'm right, and when I'm forward and when I'm backward. Wherever you're at, the perspective of praise is what's going to set you free. You're not praising him for the what. We're praising him for the who. Who am I praising? Well, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. It's interesting that Paul's purpose wasn't finished there. He's in the jail. The cells are blown open. All the prisoners are there. None of them leave. Why? Paul, Paul had a purpose left. He knew that he wasn't done. And, and, the, and the, the guard, he's panicking. He's freaking out. He has a lot of anxiety. And, and, and God opens the doors, but Paul didn't leave the prison. If you were chained up and the chains fell off and the doors opened, would you stay or would you go? What would make Paul stay? Because his purpose wasn't complete. If you read through, he goes and he, he actually finds the jailer and says, hey, 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 we're all still here. We haven't left. Don't kill yourself. He's probably got the sword out trying to, I don't know how you do that, but he's trying to do something. And, and, and they're like, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. We're still here. We haven't left. It says that the jailer invited Paul and Silas back to his house and that, that the jailer and his whole family were saved. Because you know that that jailer had been hearing Paul talk about Jesus over and over and over again. You know that Paul, had, uh, the jailer, to hear Paul and Silas and maybe some of the other prisoners had joined in on the, on the songs of praising the Lord. The jailer had, had been exposed to the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. He, the jailer had experienced this thing. And, and then Paul comes out and says, no, no, no. So the whole family had to be saved. Many scholars believe that the first people who are the members of the church in the Philippi were the jailer and his family. That they became some of the main leaders inside of the church there in Philippi. The, the, the purpose wasn't finished because the purpose had to keep going. And as the, the jailer who is now in Philippi is hearing Paul saying, rejoice in the Lord always, he can literally say the dude actually did it. He actually was there. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. I'm not sure what situation you're in today, but I think the answer is to make sure that you have a perspective of praise going forward. Will it solve every problem? I don't know, but it's certainly going to help. When you engage the supernatural into your natural situation, you can see things change. You can see things change. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now for everyone that's here this morning. God, God the the things that we face, the struggles that we battle, the anxiety that we, we all feel from time to time, and whether it's a low level or a high level or situational or ongoing. God, I just ask that you would help everyone here this morning, everyone who hears my voice or sees me on the screen, God, that, that, that they, would, they would just change their perspective to one of praise. God, that their eyes wouldn't get focused on the little things, but they would widen their focus and we could not just praise you for what you've done, but God, that we would praise you for who you are. Because God, you are a good God. 
We're a good, good God. You might be here this morning and, 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 and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you're just kind of checking things out. What's this God stuff about? Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, you know what? I've never actually given my life to the Lord. I've never decided to make a decision. The jailer and his family made a decision to put, put Jesus at the head of their life. They made a decision to follow Jesus for all their days. Maybe you've never made that decision. Or maybe you made that decision a long, long time ago and you've walked away. The good news is that Jesus is standing right there with his arms wide open and he's ready right now to receive you in. So Heavenly Father, we just pray for those this morning that if that's where they're at, God, that you just touch them right where they're at. Like if that's where you're at today, I'm going to ask you to say a prayer with me. And the church is going to help out. They're going to pray along with us. But if, if you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, you can pray this prayer of surrender where you're surrendering your life to the Lord. And he will be faithful to come and be with you. So here we go. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Help me to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate those who made a decision to follow Jesus. Listen, we're going to sing one last song before we leave. So why don't you stand up? i got to tell you, God is doing some really good stuff in our church. And, and if you missed last week, I want you to know this, that we're actually launching into two services starting um, October 20th. So October 20th, we are going to go over and set up one service at 10 a.m. Because you look around, you realize we're pretty full. And there's not very much space left. And we're going to reach more people for Jesus. And so, so we're going to add a second service. We're going to launch into two. And so instead of one 10 a.m., we're going to go from 9 and 10.45. And so we're hoping that, that if everybody brings somebody, we'll have a full church for two services. So come on, church. Can we do that over the next few weeks? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray right now. Heavenly Father, help us to see those that you want to come to this church. Help us to invite those to come and be part of what God is doing right here in City Church, in our city here in Albuquerque. God, help us to be a church that invites others to come and be part of everything that God is doing. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So come on, church, let's sing one last song before we leave today.
Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Have a great week.